1: Hello, and thanks for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership Podcast today. So today I want to talk to you about the four greatest obstacles to cultural transformation. They may surprise you. I don't know. It depends on how much you've been listening to my podcast over the past few years. But before I do that, before I get into today's lesson, I want to share something with you. Uh, You know, it's, it's, it's often tempting for leaders to leave successful people where they are to keep them in the same jobs i mean some leaders and they're not high impact leaders but some leaders that's their goal to get somebody in a job get them trained up and keep them there but as high impact leaders we must keep in mind that we're doing more than just trying to get the job done well we're, we're doing that But high impact leaders are also building leaders that takes extra time and it takes extra effort. And the majority of leaders out there, they're never going to rise up to become a true high impact leader. But I want to share a story with you. I came across in a, a book I read a while back. I captured the story. I don't remember the book. It doesn't matter what book it come out of. As far as I'm concerned, it's just about the story. I just don't want to take credit for the story. But uh, in in the book I was reading, there was someone named uh, Angus J McQueen, and he was he was telling a story about James Garfield that, that illustrates the point that I was just talking about, about building leaders. And uh, Mr. McQueen says, he says that prior to becoming president of the United States, Garfield was principal of Hiram College in Ohio, if I'm saying that right. When a, when a father asked if, if the course of study could be simplified so his son might finish school sooner, Garfield responded. Certainly, but it all depends upon what you want to make of your boy. When God wants to make an oak tree, he takes 100 years. When he wants to make a squash, he requires only two months. That was, that, that was uh, what Garfield had to say. So give your, give your leaders deep, broad roots by growing them slowly and varying their experiences. Don't keep them on the same job. Even when you're thinking about succession planning and you're trying to grow someone up from the front level, in, from an entry level position up into their first leadership role, G- get them some experience. Move them around. They may have a lot of experience in one area, and that's the leadership role you want to put them in. But before you put them in that area, move them some other places and get them some more experience. Then bring them back to, to that spot, and they'll be a better leader for you. Anyway, I was just thinking about that story, and I wanted to share it today. But let's get back to the uh, to this lesson on the four greatest obstacles to cultural transformation, and I'm gonna go on and tell you what they are. So you gonna you gonna get the get the list of four, and, and I'm gonna give them to you in order. So this is the order that they come they come in the number the number one reason the number one obstacle to cultural transformation is the top leader the owner the ceo whoever the top leader is whatever their title is doesn't doesn't matter to me really what the title is but it matters they're the top leader the top leader is the greatest obstacle to cultural transformation within an organization and i'm going to talk to you about these these different levels in a moment but but that's that's the root cause right there the, the the second the number 2 greatest obstacle to cultural transformation are those leaders right below the top leader upper management that's that's your that's your second greatest obstacle the third greatest obstacle is that group of leaders right below upper management middle management and then the fourth greatest obstacle Is the next level down, the frontline supervisors, the frontline leaders, those people who the entry-level workforce reports to. So that's, that's pretty sad, though, when you think about it. It might have surprised you, but but I'm looking forward to talking about this lesson. I literally have no idea what I'm going to say. I shared a, a meme on my LinkedIn profile the other day, and and that's what it was. It said the the four greatest obstacles to cultural transformation, in order: number one, the top leader; number two, upper management; number three, middle management; number four, frontline supervision. And when I shared it, I thought I got to do a lesson on this. And you've heard me talk about it before, but maybe not in that way. And and the, the the frontline workforce, they're they're the least they're the least obstacle to cultural transformation. However, they get most often they get the most blame. And guess who blames them? Frontline supervision, middle management, upper management, and the top leader. It rolls the blame rolls back uphill, and it gets pointed at those at the frontline workforce. But guess what? The frontline workforce are exactly where they've been led to be. Some might say, yeah, but they're they're bad folks working on the front line. Okay, who hired them there? Who has not trained them while they are there? Who leaves them there? You with me? You see how this works? This says responsibility lies at the feet of the leader. If you want to be the kind of leader I talk about, you'll agree with me. If you want to blame the folks, well, you need to go and stop this podcast now and maybe delete it from, from you. From your phone, because things I have to say are not gonna interest you very much. However, there might be something that can change the way you think, because what I'm here to share are thought-provoking comments, quotes, stories, that sort of thing, in an effort to raise your level of awareness. And if you guys agree with me, you, you gotta help me. You gotta share my podcast. You gotta get this thing out. I'm not the kind of person to, to beg you to share it. I don't care if you share it or you don't share it. I'm going to record it, and I'm going to publish it. And those who want to listen to it can listen to it. Those who want to share it can share it. And those who don't, that's okay too. But I'm telling you, if you're on the mission with me to help transform this world we live in, you either got to be putting some stuff out there, or you got to be sharing the good stuff. And I, and I try to model that. You see, in my books, they're full of quotes from other people. You hear me quote people all the time. I shared that story at the beginning. I learned somewhere else. It's not about me, but relative to me and my mission, it starts with me. It's the same with you. It's not about you, but it starts with you. You got to have the courage to share your voice, to learn and grow, and share what you believe in. You know, when it comes to the top leader and and most most of this whole talk today is really going to be about the top leader because that's that's that that's the ultimate root cause of, of either a successful and effective cultural transformation or an ineffective and unsuccessful cultural transformation that's that's where it stops with the top leader so you got to ask yourself when you're thinking about this when I'm thinking about it well, why why is it the top leader? I mean, there's a lot of reasons, but in my mind at the moment, I'm thinking about how did that top leader get to be the top leader? Because y'all have heard me say, and you know from your own experience, there are a lot of top leaders who are not very good leaders. Everyone is a leader because we say leadership is influence. If you got influence, you're a leader. Everybody's not leading at the same level. I don't mean position and title. I mean the amount of influence they have the quality and caliber of people they're able to influence. That, that varies all over the place. But how did the top leader get to be the top leader? Was it truly because they were a good, high-impact leader of people? Or were they just a great leader of people? Were they a good leader of people? Were they a bad leader of people? But on top of that, were they a good manager? For the most part, any top-level leader, CEO, business owner, whatever their title is, pretty much if they got to that position, they're usually a high-impact manager, meaning they can manage people well. They can manage people effectively to get results. They can use people as objects. If they're not a high-impact leader, high-impact leaders don't use people as objects. But low-impact leaders who could also be at the same time high-impact managers are happy to use people as objects. So if that top leader got there by being able to use people effectively to get results, and and then for whatever reason, they they attempt cultural transformation, they're going to be the greatest obstacle. They may get up there and realize, we got to help these people. They may not realize, I'm the one that needs the most help. Because it comes down to their values. What values got them to the top? What values has caused them to think we need cultural transformation? Do they have a willingness to lead at a higher level? Because what they've done already got them to that position. But if they want to transform a culture, they got to do more. It could be that that they got uh, hired in as a new top level leader. They may have come from another company, and they come in. They had they had their company going great. The previous company, maybe they were the top level leader there. They were successful. Maybe they come in to the new organization. Now again, they could have been successful because they were a high impact manager, which again usually means they're a low pack low impact leader. Ultimately. If you're at the top, you want to be a high-impact leader and a high impact manager. Both things are important. But most industries are are operated by high-impact managers who are also low impact leaders. So they may have come from a different place. They, they, and they could be two scenarios. They could walk in, they may be a high-impact manager, low-impact leader. They walk into the new organization, they're not getting results. They can think this organization needs transformation. What they mean is they mean they need, we got to get people to follow the leader, to do what the leader says. We got to train these people up, get rid of the people who are resisting, who don't want to follow any leader. Or in this case, they don't want to follow management. So then we got to, we got to, get better at manipulating the folks. We got to get some people in here we can manipulate them to do what we want them to do. That's not high impact leadership. But if a high impact manager comes in and takes over an organization that's not getting results, they've they've got to do that. They got to get people to start doing what they know needs to be done from a management standpoint. Because again, remember they're effective managers, but they're not high impact leaders. So, so they're going to focus on putting in their systems, getting everything aligned. They're probably going to bring some people with them who are already following them, who are also high-impact managers because high-impact managers value having high-impact managers on their team. They want to treat people like objects, even those that report to them. So that, that's, that's how th- their approach is going to be to get everyone – line behind getting results. Not around transforming the people. It's all about getting the results. If a high-impact leader comes in, which means they're also a high-impact manager, but they have a super high degree of character. So you you could be a a high-impact manager, and if you're a low-impact leader, then you have a low degree of character. Your character's pretty shoddy. It's not too good. But you still can get results, and you can still make millions of dollars. But I'm talking about high-impact manager, which means high degree of competency, skills, knowledge, abilities, all that stuff. But then they're also a high-impact leader, which means they have a high degree of character, which means they value people at a high level. That leader walks into an organization that needs cultural transformation. First thing they're going to start doing is meeting the people. They're not going to start changing everything as far as processes, methods, all that sort of stuff. They're not going to go come in and a high-impact manager would come in and do it to the people because they know what to do. Just like when I was a lean manufacturing consultant, I could have walked into any organization, started telling people what to do, and they had to do it because the boss wants them to do it, that sort of thing. Pull out, Pull out all the high-impact managers and say, make these people do what I'm about to tell you all to do. And I could have been the same way. And they would have had to do it, and they would have got better, but the people wouldn't have been bought in, and and the improvements would not have been long-lasting and sustainable. But I was a high-impact leader, so I had to do all these things quick. But I, I would go in, start building relationships with the people. And again, a lot of times I was leading, I only got to lead a team for a week. So the stuff I'm telling you, it wasn't, I had to do cultural transformation of my team in a week. Because I walked in and I got a team of people who had never worked together most of the time, didn't like me, didn't like change, didn't like the boss, don't like a lot of stuff. That's my team for the week. In the context of this session, I'm, I'm the top leader for the week. That's my team. I got to transform them in order to get amazing results. I don't have to become a dictator, a director, though. I'm going to get them to buy in. I'm going to share some stuff with them. And they're going to go make it happen. That's the way a a high-impact leader, when they go after cultural transformation within an organization. And I'm going to tell you one of the big tips. A lot of them miss because they are are high-impact managers. That's what got them there. They are high-impact managers. But again, if they're also a high-impact leader, what the high-impact leaders got to understand, when they get to the top position, they need to hire out as much management as possible. Because management has to be done. Again, management doesn't mean you're a bad person. The only problem with management is when you're managing people. That means you're a low-impact leader. And you're not such a great person. But the things and the processes, all that stuff, you need management. You need management skills. People need to learn that. You need people on your team. But if you're the top leader, your goal is to do as little managing as possible because you can hire out or put someone in a position to do all the things you need to do management-wise. As a high-impact leader, your priority needs to be on leading people. I mentor and talk to a lot of different leaders, and that's the hardest thing for me to get these leaders to do. Some of them never do it, even though they're really great people and they are high-impact leaders but they're also high-impact managers. It's so hard for them to take that hat off. But they need to to hand that off to other people. Whatever they're managing, they need to hand it off. They need to build a team of people who are capable of accomplishing the management mission. They also need to develop all those people to become high-impact leaders in their positions. But I'm talking about the top leader right now. The top leader needs to spend 90% or more of their time on leadership activities, not management activities. They don't need to be running around putting out fires and all that kind of stuff. That's what managers do. Managers put out the fires. Leaders develop the people. Leaders build relationships. Leaders, and I'm talking about high-impact leaders, they connect people. It's a full-time job. It doesn't matter if you got 50 people you got 500 people, you got 5000 people. Obviously the more people, the more leading you got to do, but that's why you need to build a team of high impact leaders the bigger your organization. You got to have leaders at every level doing this, but the difference is they're going to have to do some man- they're going to have some management activities assigned to them. Unfortunately, most leaders on most org charts, they got like 100% of their time is is management activities. They're loaded up with it. And that's because they have a high-impact manager at the top who is not a high-impact leader. A high-impact leader at the top, they're going to want a team of high-impact managers, but they also going to want them to be high-impact leaders. So that high-impact leader at the top is going to understand, I cannot load my team of leaders, these upper management folks, these middle management folks, these frontline supervisors, I cannot load them 100% management activity. If I do, they're not going to be able to, to help me lead and transform this organization because they're going to be focused on management. So that high-impact that high leader at the top is crucial. They're the key. They They should be teaching. They should be doing leadership development training at all levels. They should be getting rid of the silos. They should be leading book studies. They should have a full plate of leadership activities. Now, they may be building relationships outside of the organization. Sometimes they're the only one that's doing that. So they need to have time to do that. They need to build uh, relationships with the community, maybe with community leaders, maybe with their customers, customer leaders, suppliers. They need to go out and be visiting the uh, different departments, the frontline folks who are doing the work, the top leader needs to be out among the people at all levels, all the time. And, and they can do that because they're the top leader. They can focus the majority of their time on leadership, workforce development, leadership development, and also personal growth. And again, every leader at every level has got to do that too throughout the org chart. But it's not, the goal is not to get them at 100% because someone's got to do the managing, and it's those folks. But you want high-impact managers, high-impact leaders, all the way down throughout the organization. So you can tell by what I'm saying here, upper management, middle management, frontline supervision, To for those folks for at those levels to, to not be obstacles, the top leaders got to lead. Then they got to expect each one of those subsequent levels down below, they've got to lead. So let's say the top leader's doing that and they're growing and developing the, the upper management leaders who report to, to them, upper management reporting to the top leader. The top leader's learning and growing and developing the upper management team, meaning the top leader is conducting leadership development with them. They're doing book studies together. Those folks the top leaders helping them understand hey you got to be a high impact manager and you got to be a high impact leader and, and this is what it means and and i got to make sure i can't load you up and you can't load yourself up 100% of your time with management activities you got to help me lead i expect you to lead it's part of your job description at a minimum you know you kind of use that 80 the 80-20 deal not necessarily the per the Pareto Principle 80-20, but 80% of their time focused on management, 20% of their time focused on leadership activities, meaning they're leading, they're building relationships, they're teaching, they're training, they're doing book studies. I think you have a highly effective organization. If you can split these upper managers, middle managers, frontline supervision, all of them need to be 80% focused on management activities. 20% 20% of their time focused on leadership activities. And again, most of them have 0% time focused on leadership activities. So just going from 0 to 5% is huge to 10%. But if it was me, I'd want to do the 80-20 split there. And, and that's the way I'd want to build my team. But let's say the top leader does that with the, with the upper-level management staff that reports to them. But now they've got to do it with the middle management folks who report to them. It's got to cascade throughout the whole organization. It's kind of like a waterfall; it's got to flow. It's got to it's got to flow through the the moment the moment it stops, whatever level it stops at. Let's just say top level leaders did it, upper level leaders did it, upper management, but it didn't cascade down to middle management, frontline supervision. Those two groups stayed. loaded with management activities, putting out fires. I mean, just you know what it is. I don't have to tell you, but putting out fires is is a lot of it. Unfortunately, that's what a lot of them do all day is they put out fires. They can't even manage well for firefighting all day. But that's because they don't manage well and they're not high-impact leaders. So you see the root cause of all this. But again, none of this stuff I'm talking about is going to happen without the top leader valuing that it happens. And if that top leader doesn't jump over into that high-impact leadership role, slide. I mean, they need to be 90-10, 90% 90 leadership, 10% management, the top leader. All the other leaders, 20% leadership. Make sure I said that right a minute ago. I can't remember now thinking back. 20% leadership, 80% management of the process. If I said that wrong earlier, I, I apologize. I just can't think right now if I did or not. So I want to make sure I cleared, cleared that up. Might have got my numbers crisscrossed there. So you want that to roll down all the way to upper management, middle management, frontline supervision. That means your frontline supervisors, 20% of their their day, they're focused on leadership development. It could be personal growth, it could be team building, it could be book studies. Book studies with their peers, book studies with the leaders above them, book studies with support personnel, any of these, any of these four levels should also remember you got to do the same thing with the support personnel. They gotta be they they gotta be grown and developed. A lot of times they're just focused on management of their area of responsibility, like the quality folks. They just focused on quality. It may not be a huge team but they're focused on quality, the management of quality within a process. Or it could be safety, or it could be lean like I used to do, process improvement. All all kind of support roles, the engineering staff. A lot of organizations, they they got the engineering staff kind of in a silo, and they do whatever their engineering activities are. That's management activity. These groups have to be brought in. They have to be, somebody's got to be doing development with these folks, leadership development character development, personal growth, that sort of stuff. Same thing with the frontline entry-level folks. So I hope you can see now how the four greatest obstacles to cultural transformation are the top leader number one, upper management number two, middle management number three, frontline supervision number four. Because if there's if there's any frontline workforce, that's a problem. Well, you got to change them or you got to change them. That means you got to grow and develop them or, or you got to get rid of them, but don't get rid of them first. You see, that's what's happening in the management organizations, the ones that are led by high impact managers. When the frontline folks or the support folks when it, when they're not working out, when they ain't following directions like they ought to, the, the first thing that happens, they just get rid of them because there is no such thing as as developing the support folks or developing the frontline workforce. There's nothing to align them around. Most people hire the workers, they bring them in, they put them to work. There's no introduction to leadership and personal growth. Everybody in a company ought to go through some type of introduction. If you got a high-impact leader at the top, meaning the top leader is not the greatest obstacle. That top leader is a high-impact leader. Depending on how much work they've done down below, they may have a phenomenal organization or they're working on developing a phenomenal organization meaning where leadership development personal growth is a high priority top to bottom and it's happening so at some point if a high impact leader is leading the way of cult- with cultural transformation some point new employee orientation there's going to be a greater emphasis of let's bring these people in let's go slow to go fast let's give them some 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 personal growth development some leadership development especially if they're in formal authority leadership position i mean if some if if someone's in a formal authority leadership position they may have a high degree of character but they hadn't been trained how to become a high impact leader those leaders the top leader upper management middle management frontline supervision as you get high impact leadership cascades down through these four levels these folks need to work together to put put together and develop a high-impact new employee orientation package. So that's about all I'm going to say on all this today. Hope you got some value out of it. I do want to mention, you know, if you are a high-impact leader, you can get people licensed on my content so you can build you a team of leadership development, personal growth uh, trainers. They can use my content. It's $1,000 per person to be able to teach it per title. You want to get a license to teach one book for one person in your organization? It costs you $1,000. They can teach it to everybody however many times they want to, and I give them a kit and that sort of thing. If one person wanted to get certified on three different books, it's $3,000, and they get the kit. They can teach as many as they want. So that's just a little snapshot, but you can go to bluecollarleadership.com, and look at the, the license and certification page and learn more about that. So I'm gonna leave it with you today. Talk to you next time.
0: Make it happen or someone else will. It might as well be you. Are you serious about taking your career and your life to the next level and beyond? Check out Max Story's Blue Carnal Leadership Series books and others, now available on audio along with paperback and ebooks at Amazon, iTunes, and Audible. Please visit bluecollarleadership.com to learn about Mac's Books programs, special offers, certifications, and more. Thank you for listening to the Blue Collar Leadership podcast.